The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. This long and winding road that has become the NHL season is now just a little under two weeks away from reaching its conclusion. Hard to believe. A year ago at this time, we're all sitting in our respective practice facilities across the NHL, enjoying training camp, getting ready for the preseason and the year ahead. And now the Stanley Cup final matchup is set. The offseason for 29 other teams is well underway. And the 2020 NHL draft, well, that's less than three weeks away. So how about we talk about it? Welcome aboard, everybody. This is the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. I'm your host, Josh Getzoff. The Dallas Stars into the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 2000, looking for their second ever cup and first since they won it all for the only time in franchise history in 1999. The Tampa Bay Lightning joining them at hockey's highest table. They're also eyeing their second Stanley Cup in franchise history. Their first came back in 2004. They're in the final for the first time since 2015 and the third time in franchise history. And while that story has been written inside the bubble, the Penguins are writing an offseason story of their own outside of it, as we know. Trades, hirings, firings. It has not been a quiet month plus from Jim Rutherford and crew, and the work obviously is far from finished before the puck drops on the next season. Now, there are a lot of people involved in the hockey ops side that are involved in the decision-making as it pertains to the Penguins roster in both the present and the future. And one individual has a pretty strong tie to one of the remaining teams in the final. That would be Penguins Director of Pro Scouting, Ryan Bonus. You might recognize that last name. It might sound familiar. Here's why. His dad's been coaching hockey longer than I've been alive, and he's now just four wins away from winning his first ever cup. His pops, of course, is Dallas Stars interim head coach Rick Bonus. And I figured, what better time than the present to learn a little more about that relationship while also getting the lowdown on Ryan's own unique path he's carved for himself in the game, his ride to his position with the Pens, and his role in decision-making with regard to the current Penguins roster. Scouting in a pandemic? Yeah, you'll hear about that too. Take a listen now to our conversation on this episode of the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. Well, people think about Nova Scotia and the Penguins, and they think about Sidney Crosby, obviously, but there's another connection between the Maritimes and the black and gold, and it's our guest right now, Penguins Director of Pro Scouting, Ryan Bonus, kind enough to take some time with us. Uh, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for taking some time and, and uh, making yourself available. Anytime, Josh. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, let's let's uh, dive right into it. Before we get to the nitty-gritty, and it's great to have you on, uh, we like to start things off on this podcast with a question of the day. Kind of throw people okay. off balance a little bit, maybe give them something to think about. So I have to ask you the question of the day, what is your favorite car you've ever owned? My favorite car I've ever owned? Well, that's a, that's a good one. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go with a 2003 Lincoln Aviator. Um, I was actually playing in the East Coast League, Ontario, California, and uh, it was the first car I ever bought with my own money. Um, so it, it was just the thrill of a lifetime. I think I, pay, I, I paid about 12 or 12 or 13 grand for it. It wasn't uh, it wasn't the most expensive thing by, by any means. But um, like I said, I've had a few cars since then, but that's still my favorite one. Would that play well riding around in Nova Scotia? The, the, uh, the Lincoln. <laughs> Believe it or not, the Lincoln drove uh, back from Cal. Uh, from California all the way back to Nova Scotia with me. So it made that journey from coast to coast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's impressive. Uh, you mentioned uh, Nova Scotia, and I know that's, you know, kind of where your life began. Obviously, it's taken you a lot of places since. Um, but I have to ask, I mentioned Sidney Crosby off the top. 
was there a connection between you and Sid going back to your youth? I know you're four years older than him, but we've heard all these stories about him playing against guys that were older than him in those leagues growing up and the Timbits and everything. Was there some path crossing? Yeah, well, so actually, uh, the way I grew up with my dad obviously being in the game, I was born uh, in Nova Scotia. Both my parents are from there. All of our extended family are there. Um, but we really only spent our summers there growing up because we were always uh, moving around with my dad in, in the cities that uh, that he was coaching in at the time. So, you know, I grew up, my minor hockey days were spent all over North America, really, whatever city we were in. Um, but like I said, I would come home every summer and uh, I would skate with guys in the summer. So I actually met Sid for the first time. I want to say I would have been about 16 or 17 and Sid was, uh, like you said, he's four years younger than me, and he came out and skated with a group of us. I was playing major junior at the time, and there were some pros, and, and Sid, like I said, he, was, he would have been 12 or 13 at the time, and he came out, and it was amazing because, you know, like I said, he's skating against guys that are playing major junior and pro, and he's, he's fitting right in. So um, that's when we started hearing about him. Um, and then moving as, as we moved along, like he kind of started major junior. His first year, I believe, was my last year. He was in the Quebec League, I was in the Ontario League, but um, I, we worked out at the same gym at St. Mary's University, so I would see Sid all the time in the summer. We trained at the same gym. He was uh, with Andy O'Brien, actually, who now runs our strength and conditioning. So I've known Sid and Andy uh, since, like I said, Sid was a teenager, and Andy was just starting out as, as Sid's trainer. So we go back a long ways, and uh, like I said, we, were, we still run into each other in the summer, and obviously when we're in Pittsburgh and stuff like that, we catch up, and um, no, one thing about where we're from is uh, everybody has that special bond, and uh, especially like you know when we see guys around the league and, and that we all have that special bond where we all know what each other's up to and, and kind of stay in touch that way. But no, like I said, we've uh, obviously been crossing paths for a long, a long time. And, and four years ago, when I got hired by Pittsburgh, Sid was one of the first guys, guys I ran into at the golf course, so he was pretty excited then too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And the tie-in with the Maritimes in Nova Scotia, it's interesting. I've never been there. Looks beautiful. Definitely on my bucket list to get to. But uh, everyone who I've ever spoken to, and obviously yourself and anyone who has connection to it, uh, clearly views it as a special place. And it produces uh, some special hockey players, hockey coaches as well. You mentioned your dad. Uh, let's get right to it. He's, uh, he's having himself quite a, I guess, summer into fall right now. <laughs> with the Dallas Stars uh, getting to the Stanley Cup final, uh, you know, the interim head coach there and quite a run that that team has had, uh, obviously starting in the round robin in the Western Conference and upsetting a couple teams. I think it's fair to say when you look at who the opponents were with Colorado uh, and then, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights getting to the Stanley Cup final and eliminating Vegas in the Western Conference final. From your perspective, I mean, you've seen your dad wear a lot of different hats behind a lot of different benches, as you mentioned, different cities, uh, different leagues. What's it been like to see him now get this team in this situation now just four wins away from getting to the top? Well, it's, it's uh, for certainly obviously well-deserved. Um, you know, one of the, the best parts about my job now is I get to travel around, obviously, to NHL rinks and run into hockey people. And as soon as they, you know, understand and put the connection together, it's almost like their eyes light up because, you know, like he's, he's a pretty popular figure uh, behind the scenes around the league. So there's that connection there, but you know what, just certainly so proud of him. Um, you know, like I said, he's, he's, he's been around a long time. He's worn a lot of different hats, coached in a lot of different places, but um, as a head guy, he got put into a couple unfortunate situations um, that kind of affected his, his head coaching perception, I guess I'll say because of his record. Um, so he kind of got uh, put into that top assistance role, which is fine. 
Um, he had some success in that role, but um, I know deep down he wanted he wanted one more shot at being a head guy. Um, he's 65 now. Uh, certainly, the circumstances in the way he took over in Dallas weren't ideal, um, but that's uh, that's how it how it happened, and um, it's been fun. Like I said, watching uh, from afar uh, with the, with the bubble life, and you know, talking to him and FaceTiming with him every day. Um, you can just tell they they see that that end in sight, and. Um, you know, he doesn't, for the one thing missing on his resume is a Stanley Cup and, and getting that ring. So, um, like I said, as soon as, as soon as our team was, was eliminated from contention uh, after the, you know, the shock wore off a, a few days later, my, myself and my family, we became the biggest Dallas Stars fans on the planet for the rest of this playoff run anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. You keep it going for another couple of weeks here in the Stanley Cup final. You just touched on something that I wanted to ask you there. Obviously, the bubble is a, a different situation. We do have a lot of access to these guys as far as seeing, you know, the media availabilities. And that's been pretty constant from uh, my perspective. But obviously you being family and, and stuff of that nature, you talk about the FaceTimes. Is the communication pretty constant with him? Or are you are you trying to stay, I guess, as much a part of it, but not become too much of it with him in the middle of all this? How are you guys handling it? No, I mean, like like I said, I, I mean, I moved away from home when I was 16, and uh, and you know, my growing up, my dad was always on the road too, so it's something that we've become accustomed to over time, I guess. But it's the same. I mean, um, he's my best friend. We're we're very close. Our family is very close. So we call. We we I'm on the phone with him a few times a day, and like again, he's he's my dad first. He's not. We're not uh, in in hockey first. He's he's my dad, and. Um, you know, like I said, I just had a son uh, in, in June, so that's his first grandchild. So he likes to FaceTime with him and see how he's grown and stuff like that. So, no, we've uh, we've, we, we've uh, kept our constant communication going. And obviously we talk uh, hockey-wise after games. And, you know, you asked me what I think, uh, what I saw, and that stuff is my opinion on that kind of thing. But like I said, he's dad first and grandpa first, and that's where the conversations start. He's obviously watched you uh, be a part of a Stanley Cup championship run back in 2017 when the Penguins defeated the Nashville Predators. Uh, I saw some photos for that when I was preparing for this interview online. It's just, you know, everything somehow surfaces. Uh, just a, <laughs> no, nothing bad. Don't worry. Nothing, nothing. Uh, uh -oh. be I was going to say, okay, nothing, nothing <laughs> later at night then. That's good. Yeah, right. Everything with the sun was still up. That's what I was going to say. Um, but uh, I have to ask, when it was that party and when you had your day, uh, did he come? Did he touch it? Was he already in the social distancing from the cup process before it was a thing? <laughs> he was awesome. Like I said, that, that was probably the hardest part was, you know, I mean, let's be honest, he deserves one a hell of a lot more than I do. Um, <laughs> but like I said, he, he first and foremost, he's a dad and he was just a proud dad that day. Like he, we, we picked it up. He was in the limo the whole day with him. We went, did our stop and stop and he was at the party and he was first and foremost, he was my father that day. And I'm sure there were moments where he was looking at me going like you little jerk. I can't believe you're getting this thing before me, but you wouldn't have been able to tell uh, on the surface. And, um, he did not touch it. Uh, like I said, we had we had a party of about 300 people at his lake house. That, like I said, the same lake that we live on with Sid and, and Nate there. Um, is that his house? And I had to say, Dad, do you mind if we have? And he said, Absolutely. We're having that party there, and we're having everybody there. And then, um, no, he he couldn't he couldn't have been better about it. But like I said, I'm sure there were moments where he was looking at me carrying that thing around all day, going like, Oh my God, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like we said, hopefully he's not too far away from a moment uh, himself, but. As you mentioned, um, this is a guy that, you know, three-plus decades behind the bench as a coach, obviously played before that. I can only imagine uh, from your perspective, just growing up with your dad being who he was in the hockey world, 
there had to have been an impact on you, but what did it have? What kind of impact did it have as far as, you know, you getting involved in the game? I assume you probably didn't really have a choice when you were born as far as being around it and seeing it all the time. But, you know, did it, did it push you to want to be more involved having a guy like that in your life? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like, um, I, I just always had the passion for it, and I've certainly inherited it from them. But, um, like, I've got an older brother uh, who's three years older than me, and he grew up, and he couldn't have cared less. You know, like, he, I grew up, um, and, I, you know, Saturday mornings, I couldn't wait to get to the rink with my dad and go to practice and run around and help the trainers, and my brother couldn't have cared less. And you know what? That was fine. My parents, uh, my mom especially, did a, such a fantastic job of, Myself, my brother, and my sister, they never wanted us to be, fine, be defined by what my dad did. Um, so, like, you know, I, I always tell a story when he coached in Ottawa and I was a kid going to school, and what, one of our rules was we weren't allowed to go to his games on school nights. And that's so I'd go to school the next day, and all these kids would be there talking about the Senators game the night before. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second here. Like, my dad's the coach, and I'm not even allowed to go. Like, where's this going here? So, um, but, no, you know, like I said, like, they, my parents never forced it on us. They never, you know tried to steer us in one direction. For me, it was just a natural passion. Um, like I said, I loved the game uh, from the get-go. Um, I played, obviously, and then uh, when, it, when it was time for my career to, to come to an end, it was it's what I wanted to do. It's, it's the only thing I could have imagined doing was was staying in this side of things. Um, I will say the only the only difference is I never wanted to coach. I always wanted to be involved in the in the management and scouting side of things. So, um, you know, but like I said, my parents did an, uh, an amazing job of, of growing up um, with my dad doing what he did, and we traveled around, and we're certainly very close, but they really never wanted us, us as children to be defined by what my dad did. And obviously, you made your own path and have done very well for yourself here to this point as we jump into you in the moment and, you know, kind of how you got to your position in Pittsburgh. Just going back to your playing days, originally drafted by Columbus in the eighth round in 2001, you mentioned you played in the East Coast League, uh, and you, you just talked about it a little bit there as far as the idea that you wanted to get into more of a, a hockey ops front office type of role, was that always the, the, the post-playing goal? Like you wanted to stay in the game, but you wanted to, you know, step into that side of things, more of the suit side of things and, and judgment and evaluation of the game? Yeah, certainly. Like I said, people kind of automatically assume that I like want to be a coach just because of, of my dad. But really, I was always like you understand when I'm growing up and going to my dad's games, like you're sitting in the stands and even when you're a kid watching, you're, you're probably soaking a lot of that in um, just, you know, how certain things develop. And then, you know, as I got into my, my, certainly my playing days and, and moving on when I went back to school and got my, my business degree from St. Mary's um, is, is really when I started to think about it. And I remember my dad was in Vancouver at the time and uh, just I would go to games and, you know, you sit in the family room after and I just sit there and, then, you know, you'd have a, a drink after the game. And, and uh, at that time, Dave Donis was there and, and Steve Tambellini and, and guys on the management side. And I would just kind of sit there and, and pick their brains a little bit and talk and, and just really got interested in it uh, from that point forward. And um, I don't know why. It's just it's something I never really saw myself as a coach. I've always been interested in the business side of the game. Uh, went and got my business degree, so I had that that background if I needed it. And then uh, things just worked out, and I ended up getting a hockey operations internship with the old Atlanta Thrashers um, the year after I, I left uh, my playing career, and it, things have just kind of grown from there. Yeah, how did that kind of evolve for you? I wanted to move to that next. You know, the, the Thrashers, obviously, I'm sure you have some good mementos that are now relics as far as the Thrashers are concerned. <laughs> uh, but, you know, getting there, getting your start, and I guess getting your feet wet, everyone has to – begin somewhere and in some position to work their way up what was that like for you and i did it did it really affirm 
what you wanted to do as far as your career, uh, you know, getting that start in Atlanta? Yeah, it was, it's a really interesting story, actually. I, like I said, I retired as a player in, after the 2009 season. And, um, you know, you kind of go home, and I, I remember I was sending resumes around. And the one thing I wanted to do was do it my own way, and I didn't want to kind of use my dad's name as, as a way to get my foot in the door. So the, the Atlanta job, I, it was, believe it or not, I, I sent my resume in cold called on the NHL.com job board. Um, and uh, so I think I sent that in about August, and I got a call, I think might have been November, December, from the HR person in Atlanta, and she did my initial interview, and she said to me, well, have you ever been to Atlanta? I said, no, actually, but my parents uh, got engaged in Atlanta because my dad was playing for the old Atlanta Flames at the time, and that's <laughs> their first, was their first connection to my, my hockey background. They, they took my resume off basically my playing career and my education, and um, actually, Larry Simmons, who's the assistant general manager who hired me and is still um, assistant GM in Winnipeg and actually stood in my wedding uh, a couple summers ago, we're, we're that close. But he remembers getting that call from the HR person saying, well, this guy's dad is coaching in Vancouver. And he's like, what's it? Like, Alain Vigneault is the coach in Vancouver. And he's like, oh, okay, no, he's the assistant coach. That's where, this, so that's where it got put together. So, no, it was, a, it was a great situation. And then when Larry ended up hiring me, I remember, you know, packing that old Lincoln Aviator up and uh, – driving down to Atlanta and I, I you know I kind of did it just to get my foot in the door um, I was fortunate enough that we had a really small hockey operations staff there so as an intern I was involved in conversations and in, in positions that I probably normally wouldn't have been and wasn't ready for at 27 years old but um, certainly allowed me to see a lot of areas of the business uh, Don Wendell was there at the time and Rick Dudley was the GM the second year and um, after that first year they, they put me in charge of player development and uh, so I, I got to experience that side of things where I was working with our prospects and still kind of doing the office stuff, kind of a split role. And then, um, like I said, that year is when we got sold and moved to Winnipeg. And I was fortunate enough to get brought along uh, to the Jets franchise and started again in, in, the, in the hockey office department, working in the office there for a couple of years and, and got moved over uh, to the pro scouting side. So that's where I got my start scouting was in uh, Winnipeg. And obviously very involved, even more so in the game now. Uh, the um, As we mentioned, your dad getting ready for a run at the Stanley Cup. You and the Penguins hockey ops team getting ready for the 2020 NHL draft. And I know, as you mentioned, uh, the pro scouting side is more of your role, the director of pro scouting, second year in that exact role for the Penguins. What's that been like as far as you know transitioning to that position? A scouting obviously had been in your blood for previous years before getting the, the, um, you know, the promotion with the Penguins, but... To be able to jump into this role, what has it brought for you? How do you approach it? And, you know, what have the last, I guess, calendar plus year been like in that situation? Well, it's been fantastic. I mean, I've been with the team now, this, this, believe it or not, this, my fourth year. I can't believe it's gone by that quickly, but going into <laughs> my fifth now. Um, but like I said, it was such a it was such a wonderful opportunity. I joined the team in between the two cup runs so I, for, for 27, uh, 2016 and 2017. Um, Derek Clancy was the one who brought me aboard, who was the, the director of pro scouting at the time. Um, and just to have the opportunity to, to, like I say, to come with a team that had obviously just won. Um, obviously, my lifelong goal and dream was to, to hoist that Stanley Cup. So the first year was obviously great. And, um, you know, getting that promotion last summer was, was just expanding my role. Um, and, it, you know, it's been awesome. Like I said, I, I love our staff, uh, starting obviously with Jim. Uh, Jason Carmanos, and you know, since I've been here, we had Jason Bottero and Billy Guerin and um, Eric Heasley and, and Sam Ventura in the office. So, like I said, all those guys, you, you learn so much from, and you you, you just you, a little bit of them rubs off on you. And we were so fortunate to have such a great staff in Pittsburgh to uh, 
to operate from. And then, like you say, this year, my role expanding to, to overseeing the pro scouts. Uh, we actually hired a, a few more names and we had a few uh, few more bodies than, than a normal staff. So a um, little bit of a challenge just kind of managing schedules and uh, overseeing everything that way. But uh, they're all outstanding hockey men. And the first year on the job has been a lot thrown at us, obviously, with starting the year like that. And then with the pandemic hitting and everything getting shut down. So it's been an interesting one. Uh, like everybody else in the world, we're, we're, we're hopeful to get back to normal sometime soon. Let's hope those days are in the near future and not the distant future yeah, um, as exactly. far as that's concerned. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you came from Winnipeg, as you said, and I know that, as I mentioned, the pro scouting game is more your role, but I'm just curious for your thoughts on this because I was looking at things and obviously everyone knows the Penguins situation coming into this draft uh, in October, but also just in general, really, you know, since they've had this core, since they've had this success run uh, with the, the the three Stanley Cups over the last decade and the, the players that have been here, the expectations that have been here. You come from Winnipeg where you were part of a staff that had a first rounder and a minimum of six picks a draft each year uh, and different kind of approaches, obviously, as I mentioned, for different franchises with the Penguins being who they are and the situations they've been in. Sometimes those draft picks have been traded and most times those first round picks have been traded. Uh, but since you came on board and joined the Penguins, as you mentioned, before that 2016-17 season, just going back to that 2016 draft, the scouting departments had one first-round pick to work with, and 15 of the 21 picks that they've been a part of have come in the third round or later. So I'm just curious for your perspective on that, and I don't know how much you can offer from the pro side, but just dealing with the scouts and dealing with these meetings leading up to these situations, how much are these guys burning the midnight oil to, to find these uh, these diamonds in the rough, I guess. And they have, you know, you have the Jake Gensels, you have the Matt Murrays out there for sure. Um, but to, to make these picks work in a situation where it's sometimes your best possible pick is your third round, your fourth round. Well, absolutely. And like you say, when you go back to the first part of your question, like when I was with Winnipeg on the pro staff, um, we were still uh, kind of building towards the future. So mm -hmm. a lot of the emphasis more so was placed on our amateur staff for that and you know we're we're in a situation where you know I'd go into a trade deadline for on the pro side and we're trading assets on our team for draft picks because you know we want to get prepared for the future more so and then it, it the difference is amazing because you achieve you come to a team like us in Pittsburgh and we're in such a win now mode that it's, it's the opposite you know where the amateur staff really gets affected and, and it's probably a little bit more exciting on our side of things because um, the stuff that we're doing is coming to the current fruition but you know I will say it's it's probably more of a, a challenge um, certainly for Patrick Alvin and the amateur guys on our staff because you know those guys work so hard I have so much respect for what they do um, and to see, you know, we're, we're kind of taking their picks away at the end of the year from, from the, you know, they, like you say, that's their, almost their Stanley Cup is the draft when they're able to see the, the, the fruits of their work come to, come to fruition, come draft time. And then, and we're taking those assets away from them. So it's probably a little bit harder on those guys, certainly, but, um, knowing Patrick and, uh, he's such a, he's such a quality guy. And I really think he's, he's amongst the best in the league at what he does. And he's so understanding of our situation because at the end of the day, we're all in this to win the Stanley Cup. We're all on the same team. We all work together to, to accomplish that goal. Um, obviously, what we do is kind of behind the scenes, but we're, like, again, we're all pulling at the same rope. And Patrick and his staff are so fantastic and understanding at that. And really, like, it, it's a testament to them because it really doesn't affect their work and their mindset at all. Like, they're still getting the proper coverage and making sure their lists are in order because, hey, you never know. Something might pop up two days before the draft. We might reacquire that first-round pick. 
You know, so there he does such a fantastic job um, getting his staff together and making sure they have all the right decisions made leading up to it. Um, so, like I said, I, I think he's amongst the best in the league, and uh, he, he's got a tough job, that's for sure. And especially in the time of the pandemic, you know, the scouting, I, I've just been so interested in that aspect of things because you can't see these guys, you know, and, and the last time we've seen them in person has been, you know, six months ago when they were playing for wherever they were to, to hone their skills as they get ready to hopefully jump to the pro game. But from your perspective of, of scouting the pros, I imagine there's a lot of remote ability to that right now, too, that you're relying on, you know, word of mouth, what you've seen and whatnot. But there's a lot of video scouting as you, as you, you know, seek out potential fits for the Penguins and, and places where guys could slot, you know, into the lineup or names that could be potentially pursued. How are you guys going about that right now? I mean, because, you know, I guess it's a little different in the pro side because we, these guys necessarily aren't as much of a mystery. We see them more often. They're more visible, but there still is that aspect of not necessarily seeing them in person for now, in some cases, a half a calendar year. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, I think uh, on our side of things, we've got a pretty good book, uh, you know, in terms of the free agents that are available and certain trades that come up. And we're, we're fortunate where the NHL was still going on, so we could still do a lot of live viewings. Uh, now, again, it's, it's on TV. It's not the same as being there. Um, and, and, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, one of the biggest aspects of scouting is actually being at the rink and having, you know, connecting with other scouts or management people or, hey, what's going on with your team? How, how's this guy doing? How's that guy doing? You get such a, such a great view of a player just by word of mouth and having those conversations. So, um, you know, again, 2020 being what it is and, and eliminating a lot of that in-person contact, uh, it, uh, it makes things a lot harder. Um, and again, but again, for, from, from the amateur side of things, and I know Patrick and, and uh, Al Santilli and Colin Alexander and his staff and their staff, sorry, they're, they've been having constant calls. And, I, you know, I think they've constantly been tinkering at that list. Um, going back over it a million times and uh, and then making sure that uh, that everything's right. And I know he's been in constant uh, communication with his staff that way. But like I said, you've got to make uh, you've got to make the best of a bad situation right now. But I think again, like what people don't realize is, is having you know just being at the game and watching the game is only a part of what we do. Like being there and, and having conversations with guys from other teams and and you know just getting that word of mouth is 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 very important as well. And given the, the current situation, not just for the Penguins, but across the NHL, you know, with the, the cap staying the same next year, with the Penguins being a team that generally is close to that cap, I know that there are some players that, you know, for example, Jim Rutherford's already said that Justin Schultz most likely won't be back next season, and there is some cap space that opens up as a result of that. But there's already been a deal where the Penguins have acquired Kasperi Kapanen from Toronto. In those kind of situations, what what's the a lead up like from a guy in your position? You know, are you having conversations with Jim about a player like Kapanen? Is that something more uh, that he is pursuing on his own? But while getting maybe some some input, but how do those kind of situations work? Yeah, we we we're in constant communication. Um, the one thing about Jim is he's so great at at uh, first of all allowing people to do their jobs uh, without micromanaging managing them, but also trusting us in our opinions and. Um, you know, Kapanen's a guy that, like, we've, as a, as a pro scouting staff, have liked for a long time. Uh, I know he was, he was with the Penguins organization before I got here, but um, I actually, the first two years with, uh, with the Pens, I lived in the Toronto area, so I saw him quite a bit. 
Um, I've since moved out west, but we had uh, Jay McClement in, in that area this year, and he, he raves about him too. So, again, he's a guy that you track and you have a book on and you've got a, a, a trail of reports on. And, um, uh, you know, Jim really relies on our opinions, but he's a, he's a guy that we, as a staff, have, have really liked for a long time. So I just think he's going to be a great fit for uh, for our team moving forward. And, you know, Jim has said we, we want to kind of retool on the fly here where we – we want to get younger, but we want to, uh, you know, still contribute and still push towards winning the Stanley Cup. And I think Kasperi uh, Kaplan just checked a lot of those boxes for us. Certainly seems to. And we're looking forward to seeing how he fits. Mike Sullivan already said the, the plan is to play him in the top six. I think a lot of people have uh, many uh, great ideas floating in their heads about the, the production that he could put forth in a Penguin sweater. But, uh, you know, as far as the rest of the roster is concerned, you, you just hit on what I was going to ask you about what Jim said, you know, about getting – younger and kind of retooling, not rebuilding was the way that the Penguins have phrased it. Um, from your perspective, when you guys are looking for fits in that roster, in that kind of mindset, um, are, are you putting a lot of emphasis in finding guys within the pro ranks that maybe necessarily haven't made the full jump to the NHL yet? Like I think like guys like undrafted guys, like Connor Sherry, for example, who clearly came into the Penguins organization and you know really obviously has made a name for himself in the NHL, uh, and the Penguins have had some undrafted guys. Zach Aston Reese, we just saw Josh Masonius uh, join the, the fold here earlier this summer. What, what kind of an emphasis is placed on that when you're a team that plays you know, close to the cap and you, you kind of have to make those entry-level deals uh, work and, and maybe not entry-level, but cheaper-level pro deals and veteran deals work in your lineup as well? Well, certainly it goes back to what you had talked about before, how we're an organization that has, has let's go. We traded our first round pick uh, a lot of years before. So it really does put an emphasis on finding those guys um, like John Marino is a perfect example, you know, how well he came in and played. And, you know, we've got Maniscalco and Lee that we signed this summer. Um, but again, like that goes back to like guys like Scott Young and, and our development staff that have done a great job of, of identifying those guys coming up. And it really our development, our development guys, you know, with Younger and, and Tom Kostopoulos and Andy Kyoto, those guys do such a fantastic job of uh, really working with our players and uh, and making sure we really get the best out of them because, uh, you know, again, we've, we've traded our first round pick and top picks for the last few years. So the development system really takes a, takes a hit in that piece. So it becomes a, a lot more vital. Um, and uh, we certainly got the guys uh, on the staff that can, that can get the most out of those players as they, as they prove time and time again. Now, finally, just a couple questions for you as far as the, uh, the, the lead into you know this this off season, which I guess is underway as far as the Penguins are concerned and has been for some time. But um, is this a, a, an off season where I don't want to say it's business as usual because obviously nothing is the usual with what's going on in the world right now and uh, from the NHL perspective especially. But are you guys you know are you, is it is it more of a um, veteran based situation where you're looking at, at guys deeper that would fill deeper holes in this Penguins lineup? Are you looking uh, you know, for, for more upfront guys, top six guys, or how, how's the approach? Is it kind of across the board from the scouting perspective right now? Uh, across the board, like I said, we've got lists, uh, as many lists as you can imagine, like where Jim uh, identifies uh, an area that he feels can, can help us, and we're going we're gonna to have something prepared for him, say, okay, here's our order in, in terms of this. You know, I think uh, when you look at bringing Kapanen in, as, as Sully said, he plans on playing him in the top six. So I would put our top six up with uh, with anybody in the league right now. It's uh, you know, I, I, going back to your point about scouting, like I think 
anybody can really identify the, the high-end stars and the guys that are going to be, you know, jump off your page right away. That's, that's the easy part of scouting. I think the hardest part is, is finding those depth guys and guys that can, you know, you, I, I talk to Eric Heasley about this all the time in our office. Like, we got to find guys in the American League that are maybe underutilized for where they're playing and we can, we can kind of jump them off our page and say, okay, like we, we, we're going to, we're going to put our butts on the line for this guy and we're going to hope that he, he kind of comes to fruition. So um, like I said, we, it's, it's, there's certainly a lot of moving targets to what we do, especially on the pro side where, um, you know, things can change at the drop of a hat, to, hat depending on conversations that, that Jim has with other general managers. Um, but uh, our job is just to, to stay prepared and make sure that we've got a, really a book on everybody in the, in the NHL and the American League so that we're prepared when those conversations come to our plate. Well, I think it's fair to say, based on the uh, last couple days of activity in the NHL, and as we touched on what the Penguins have already done, it's going to be a, a busy amount of shifting and movement uh, throughout the league and throughout the rosters here over the next couple of months. I know you will be busy, Ryan. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing you hopefully back in the Berg and in the rink. Uh, in the not-too-distant future. In the meantime, enjoy the Stanley Cup final. Pass along our best wishes of luck for your dad. We're definitely uh, hoping that he can reach the top of Hockey's Mountain uh, with the Dallas Stars. And we're all looking forward to seeing how the draft plays out. And can't thank you enough for the time. Thanks for taking it. Yeah, anytime, Josh. And uh, thank you for having me on. Thanks again to Ryan Bonus, Penn's Director of Pro Scouting, for taking the time. Great insights, some great stories, really. Uh, there really appreciate him making some time for us on the podcast and we know he'll be dialed into the Stanley Cup final between Dallas and Tampa which starts on Saturday night but also obviously even more focused on the already underway and incredibly important offseason ahead of the Penguins and getting this roster back to a point where they themselves will appear again in a Stanley Cup final and hopefully the not too distant future. Well, this train has officially reached this station. That's going to do it for this episode of the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. Big thanks to PPG, of course, for making this possible. And thanks to you, the listener, for lending us your ears. Tons more conversation and information coming your way in the coming weeks, so be sure to stay tuned. Until then, thanks again, everybody. I'm Josh Getzoff. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye-bye.